everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. Good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, we will be playing football at some point this fall. We're going to talk about schedule. We're going to talk about what could be going on on the field. We're going to talk about some things that have happened off the field. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, Jeremy, anything going on at TCU this last week? I don't know, man. It's kind of actually pretty quiet this week, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, pretty no, no, pra- no practices to report no. on, which is kind of crazy. No practices, nothing nothing in the headlines, nothing in the news. It, I, I don't even know why we're doing this show. There's not much to talk about. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, on the off chance that you have not heard, there was clearly an incident that took place um, in the linebacker room, on the field, in the locker room. And uh, TCU went from um, trying to figure out how to get into the headlines, which what, with a team that I think is going to do pretty well in a, in a stacked Big 12 this year, to unfortunately jumping to the front of the line of conversation and controversy and hot takes. And um, as we all know, social media is the place to go to for dispassionate, objective truth. And it all kind of spilled over there um, on Monday. Obviously, there was a post from linebacker Dylan Thomas about an incident that happened. With hold, on, hold on, hold on, Dylan Jordan. Dylan Jordan, excuse don't, don't me. Don't mistake him for the senior. I, I, I wrote the wrong, I wrote it down. Excuse me, Dylan Jordan from Kansas, the linebacker. Excuse me, not Dylan Thomas from Pasco High School. Thank you for correcting me on that. Um, yes, Dylan Jordan, linebacker out of Kansas, uh, posted a tweet uh, about, about an incident of a racial comment uh, of what happened between him and Coach Patterson in the locker room. Uh, obviously, there's a whole lot more to this story, and it got kicked off by a former player, um, Nico Small. So, Jeremy, I'm just going to let you walk us through what you heard when you heard it. Uh, you don't have to have every answer on this. Nobody has every answer on this, but I think it would be good if you could walk us through what you know about happened with Coach Patterson, maybe Coach Glasgow or Dylan Jordan, Nico Small. Give us your brief timeline. I'm not going to pretend like we know this whole story, and I'm not going to pretend like I have every answer to it. Um, and I think it's um, unwise for us to pretend as if we do. But I still think it's 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 of significance. I think it matters. I think it, in light of the context of the world, we should be talking about this. But I also think we have to bring some um, humility to the table on it. So we're going to discuss it, and I'm not going to pretend like I have um, every answer to it other than these are raw times, and um, I think it's important that we be wise with our words, and we're going to try to model that on this podcast. Yeah, it was a crazy Monday morning for me because as I'm driving in North Fort Worth on 820, I get a phone call and the first words out of the person's mouth was, you're not going to believe what I was just told. And, and, and I said, okay, well, good thing I'm sitting down, I'm driving. And I was basically told coach P had used a racial slur. And at first I said, you're, I was, I was laughing because I said, there's no way coach Patterson used a racial slur. There, there's zero chance that happened because he's not that kind of guy. And what I was told is like, listen, it, you know, from, from what I've been told, it happened. And I'm just letting you know that it's about to hit the fan. And I said, okay, well, I'll be ready for it. If it, if it does indeed come out, this was probably about an hour before Nico even tweeted. So what my thought process was, I didn't even know how to approach it. Number one, I've got, I've got to find out, did he really say it? Number two, in what context did he say it? And, and I think we can all agree, no matter the context, saying that word is just 
playing bad. I can't defend Coach Patterson on that. I can defend his character and how he is toward his players. I just can't defend that. But when Nico comes out and tweet, we we knew this was going to blow up very quickly. Within a matter of basically a minute, I'm already getting message that Nico is alleging that Coach Patterson has said this word and this and that. And by that time, I'm I know there's already been stuff out there that he apparently did say this. So I'm digging like crazy. I got my shovel out. I'm going crazy. I'm trying to find – just get to the bottom of this. And I finally did. I finally got the context, was was which was pretty similar to what Dylan had said in his tweet. Uh, from what I understand, what was told to me is that Dylan continually used that racial slur in his position meetings, in his linebacker meetings. And everyone knows who the linebacker coach is, Coach Glasgow. Coach Glasgow told him, listen, stop saying that word. We don't say that word around here. And as a matter of fact, if Coach Patterson hears you say that word, you're going to get it because he does not like people using that word. And apparently Glasgow told Coach P about it. Coach P confronted Dylan and said, we do not use that term. But unfortunately, he used the term when he was explaining that to Dylan. And then I guess hearsay – uh, I guess Dylan had spoke with some players and immediately some players thought that coach P had actually called Dylan that term and coach P again goes to the locker room, tells several members of the team. I didn't call him that word. And he said it, he said it again. And that was basically how it was told to me and coach Patterson. He came out, he apologized. He, he admitted that he should not have said that word, but that's, that's kind of how it all went down. Uh, it was, it was just one of those things that you hoped wasn't true when I first heard it. I, like I said, I've known coach P for a very, very long time. And the first thought in my mind was disbelief because I can't see him saying that. I, I just can't, I, I could see him getting onto a player and yelling at him. I can't see coach P using, using that term. So, uh, it, it is what it is. Um, whether Dylan Jordan is a, uh, a headache to the program or not, you, you just can't say it. But the good thing is it appears that everyone's at least trying to move forward. There's been discussions. Obviously, they haven't practiced this week. Uh, players and coach talked. I think coach spent all day yesterday trying to talk to as many players as he can. A lot of, some, some people thought it was just the captains. No, he, he, he went individually uh, and spoke to as many players as he can. And it's been a pretty emotional 48 hours, 72 hours for Coach Patterson, and obviously for some of his players. I mean, it's it's something that I think eventually everyone will move past, but I don't think it's going to get uh, – I guess I don't think everyone's going to come to an agreement uh, and, and be able to move completely forward real soon. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. There is a lot going on there. So you think about – uh, let's spin this the positive way. The positive way is Coach Patterson is trying to communicate that this uh, this uh, racial slur is not allowed in our program. Whether you're white or African American, we don't speak that way at TCU. So that's the best way to put it. And of course, I, I can only speak as a white guy, which is um, even though I would never tolerate that going on around me, you can't use that word even in saying don't say that word. And right. so that's kind of the, the 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 double bind that Coach Patterson found himself in. Um, and so you want to uh, acknowledge that the, the root uh, cause of this conversation was we don't talk that way around this program. 
and we don't tolerate that in our locker room. Um, and, and of course, the 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 thing that's paired to that is you, you know you, you don't say it in saying we don't say it. Um, but there's of course the negative that comes along with it, which is a lot of bad stories, a lot of things. Uh, the story unfolded. Um, over you know about four hours on on Twitter, and that obviously unfolded poorly. I was listening. I think it was Andy Staples' podcast, which I listened to, and and he talked about it. And he kind of said, "Yeah, Coach Patterson shouldn't have said that, but he said it because he's saying don't say that." And his comment was, "If this had happened in the era of, of newspapers and not social media, you would have read the entirety of the story in one you know one sitting, one consumption." You'd be like, oh, well, you know, he shouldn't have said that. But he, what he was trying to say is we don't say that. Um, and, and, and so when you only get little pieces that leak out and, the, you know, Nico's story is the only story for like an hour. It just it's like it's like death by a thousand cuts of drip, 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 drip. So oh, I, it, nothing good. I, mean, I, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say nothing good can come out of it. I hope some good conversations come out of that. And I, I think I think you're right. There 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 already has been some good conversations, and and like I said, Coach Patterson spent basically all day. I, I know for a fact that uh, he was doing it very early in the morning, and all the way up till four o'clock in the afternoon, he was still talking to some players about everything. And uh, and that's the best part about this. If you can get anything out of it, is just the fact that he's opening himself up to listen, uh, let his players vent toward him. Um, tell them why they felt it was wrong, and he's listening and he's asking questions. How can I be better for you guys? And so I, I, I think you're going to see an obvious change in coach uh, with this. But uh, I, I think some good can come out of this, Jeff. To be honest with you. Well, that's good. Well, the one, the one thing I want to say about this is. You know, we've already stated the obvious, which is he's trying to model something for his program. He says uh, racial story shouldn't say and trying to model that. Um, and, and I don't want to pretend like I'm, I'm the guy that can um, moderate all this. And, and Coach Patterson doesn't need me to come to his defense. But the one thing I will say is, um, is I've tried to learn as, as, as a middle aged white guy about what it means to um, be racially sensitive, what it means to, to, to uh, lead an inclusive organization, even at a church. Look at Coach Patterson's staff. Um, if, if he has racial attitudes, it's sure not reflected in who he puts in charge of his football program. Um, you know, you know, we, I, one, two, three, four, five, um, five assistants are, are minorities, four African-Americans, uh, one Hispanic. Obviously, uh, Curtis Looper was a co-offensive coordinator. DeMonte Cross was a co-defensive coordinator. He has not been shy about promoting who he thinks is the best person. And over half, you know, half of his staff are, are, are African-American or Hispanic. So um, I, he doesn't need me to defend him. And, and I, I don't need to uh, defend the indefensible either. But I will say that um, his his desire to, um, to to lead through who are the best people and not be prejudicial is clearly expressed through the people that he hires and entrusts with his multi million dollar contract. So absolutely, um, and, and you, Caleb Kelly. I think about him. I think about bringing on Applewhite. These are young guys, and and I will say this: sometimes the hardest job for um, African-American um, uh, leaders to get is the first job. And he is not shy about giving them that big shot, whether it's Kelly into a P- P5 program, Applewhite into a P5 program, Fitch going from 
coach in te- uh, high school in Dallas to coming on staff to come into a defensive line coach. He is not shy about empowering folks. He's not shy about empowering not only coaches but players. I mean, how many times have we seen a four-star kid or a highly-ranked three-star kid get beat out by a walk-on? I mean, and it does not matter the color. I mean, he he is he looks at the individual as a person. Um, some say you have to look at color. Uh, and, and I don't mean to sound insensitive, but I really don't think he looks at color. I just think he looks as, at, at each individual as a person. And, and I think that's what's great about him. And, and when, when you see, you mentioned it, Jeff, social media, what I've always told you is the worst invention of all time. So social media, I hate social media. I, I, I think our, our world would be a better place without it, to be quite honest with you. But I made a tweet yesterday or Tuesday after Coach had sent out his apology and said that it the the fact that so many current and former players were quick to defend him speaks volumes to me because those guys are the ones that know the most, not the guys, not not the people on social media who see a headline. Which, by the way, national headlines should be ashamed of themselves sometimes because. It was, I mean, I, I couldn't believe some of the things I was reading. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be a Gary Patterson apologist. I've already, I've already spoken clearly that I do not think him saying that word, uh, regardless of the context, was right. Okay, yeah, I'm not going totally to, I'm not going to defend what he did. And and I'm sure uh, he would tell me, Jeremy, you're right. I, I made a mistake. And that's the great thing about Coach Patterson is. He will own up to his mistakes. He will take the blame over anyone else. I can't tell you how many times we want to pull our hair out over some player or some coach making calls, and that guy's up there taking the blame for everyone. You want to blame someone, blame me. So he's he's going to take ownership of what he did, and he's going to do every dang thing in his power to make sure it never happens again, and, and, and he learns from this experience, and his players learn more about him. So I, that's why I keep saying it. I, I think there could be some – good that comes from all of this uh we just we just all gotta as as media as you guys as tcu fans we we've all got to be patient with it because it's not going to be fixed overnight well my last comment on this is uh I, I i use this in a sermon i can't remember who i stole it from so i can't give them credit but anyone can say i'm sorry but can can you say i was wrong and i think that is what i appreciate about coach patterson here he's like I'm, i was wrong on this so I think that helps reset and um, brings a sense of humility to it and helps you go forward with the, with um, being wrong. And then one one thing, if, if people haven't really paid attention to it, because there's been so many different avenues where you can go and see comments from players. I mean, some players are posting stuff on Facebook. Some, some are on Twitter. Some are on Instagram or Snapchat. Uh, it, there's a lot of different avenues players have come in defense of Patterson uh, through social media channels. And, and one thing that I've always uh, – the uh, one thing I, I have been impressed with is the fact that so many people, so many former players have come out and said that, listen, Coach Patterson hates that word. Robert Hansen said when we used to say that, he would make us run. He hated us saying that to each other. And Wayne Daniels was another guy, another former player. I reached out, and he's like, man, Coach would definitely get mad. He would definitely get mad if, if we said those things. And that's that's why you have so many people that know the true character of him that have spoken out about him. And I think for that matter, because if we're talking about if we're talking about Mike Gundy, I didn't follow that as closely as I probably should have. I knew uh, 
uh, Hubbard did not like the fact that he wore the T-shirt. But and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff. I don't. I remember Gundy apologizing, but I don't remember as many former players coming to his defense or just standing beside him. Not nearly as much as what happened with Coach P. So that no, I. It's it's two different circ it's two different circumstances and I and I and I completely understand that but what I'm what I'm comparing is the fact that players are standing behind their head coach and and yeah. standing and standing with him and it's not just fans that you saw that were doing that it was and like I said it, I think if that did not happen and you had former players the ones that don't have an axe to grind by the way if those former players came out and said coach has said that before multiple times or he's berated us multiple times and he's a horrible coach, this and that, then I think we'd be talking about something completely different with Coach Patterson's future. But for the, the fact of the matter that so many current players came out, so many former players came out, administrators, uh, Chauncey Franks, one of the nicest guys in the world you ever talked to, he, he stood up for Coach P, so – and Chauncey is not shy about speaking to racial injustice. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. So that's that's the reason why I think – and to be quite honest with you, we we knew Coach Patterson would probably say something, but when you had so many of those former players and current players speaking up for him, it's almost like, man, does he even have to because look at, look at everyone defending this guy. But he still came out and apologized because he knew that's what he had to do. He, he took that ownership – in making that mistake, but that's why I think we're we're still talking about coach going to be coaching at TCU until he thinks it's time to move on. Uh, and, and from what I've gathered so far, as of even today, I don't think TCU is going to have any type of suspension for him. Now, could he? Could could I see coach going in there and voluntarily saying, "I'm not going to coach this game"? Sure, I could see him doing that himself. Uh, Willie, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm just speculating here, but as of right now, TCU's not suspending him for any game, and the Big 12's not taking any action because they said it's an institutional matter. So it w- we'll likely see coach out there for every game this year. All right. Well, I think we have exhausted that topic. Um, I, th- this is one of those uh, situations where there's probably a ho- lot more heat than light, and um, we, we, it's been said. Let's move on. And, um, and and let the players ter- uh, sort it out internally. And, you know, it's, I'm glad to hear that they're talking with Coach, or that Coach Patterson's talking with them and listening to them, and then and then going from there. So, all right. Well, in in light of all that, how do you transition? Uh, we're not playing SMU this year. <laughs> Speaking of scheduling, Jeremy. <laughs> great news. <laughs> yeah, great news. We're not playing SMU this year. We're not playing UNLV this year. We're not. We knew we weren't playing Cal this year. Uh, we're not playing Purview A and M this year. Uh, will there even be FCS football this year? Is the real question because once over fifty percent of FCS programs say they're not playing, then the fall season is canceled. Um, the Big Twelve has come out with what they call a nine plus one model, where you play nine conference games and then you get one game at home. It looks like it will be. Uh, you're talking about Tennessee Tech. I, you know, if if they have, uh, if the FCS plays this year, maybe we'll have to scrape up a bottom of the barrel G5 MAC team that's looking to, you know, get a payday. But what do you know about where the Frogs are in terms of scheduling um, that non-conference opponent? And um, also, 
do you think they're going to shake up the schedule a little bit um, in terms of what's already on the books? Yeah, I think the Big 12 has got to revise their schedule because they're trying to give as much flexibility to the league as they can, just in case you have COVID cases or whatnot. I don't think so, someone had asked, so if they start September 12th and then they play again September 26th, they're just going to play every week. I, I, I still think the Big 12 is, is finalizing their schedule um, for the conference. But uh, as far as non-conference, Tennessee Tech's been a team that's kind of been – the team to watch out for because that September 12th game, I, I told you guys they wanted to schedule another FCS since they lost Prairie View. And even when I did that story back when UNLV was still on the table, UNLV and Tennessee Tech were the two teams along with SMU and that non-conference schedule that they were really looking at. And I think if, if you, if you look at it now there, I would say I'm about 90% sure there's already a verbal agreement in place uh, I'd say probably about 95% chance there's already a verbal agreement in place with Tennessee Tech to come to, to Fort Worth. Yeah, they're not playing SMU. I know a lot of TCU fans are probably pretty stoked about that because they feel like they're taking it to SMU. For me personally, I would have liked to have seen that game because I know that's one game. Someone had asked me today on the board if if uh, I, I thought that Coach Patterson didn't want to play that game like some were suggesting, suggesting on the SMU site and I could promise you, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I pride myself on never trying to uh, trick you guys or I've never lied to you guys. I could promise you that SMU game was probably the most talked about game <laughs> I heard out of Coach P's mouth since January. I mean, it was, it was one of those games where they felt like they got, Snuck up on last year, SMU really caught lightning in a bottle. They had a good team. Bouchelle's obviously a great quarterback. Reggie Robertson's a great receiver. Uh, but I, I I really felt like if you ask Coach Patterson, did, does he want to play that game? Absolutely. There's there's nothing more. You're talking about a team that he's 16-3 and three against. There's, there's no way in God's green earth that that guy is scared of SMU. I promise you he's not scared of SMU. And other than maybe uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and Iowa State, that was probably the game. It, I'll, I'll tell you this much. Cal, it, when the schedule was Cal, Preview, and SMU, SMU was the game that was circled on non-conference. I mean, they wanted that game more than anything. So I, I don't buy for one second that Coach Patterson did not want to play SMU because he was, quote-unquote, scared to play him. But uh, it it is uh, – it, it's – the rivalry is going to be gone for one year, but we'll see him again next year, and they're probably going to be missing a lot of key guys. I mean, obviously, Bouchelle will be gone next year, but I like what Sonny's doing over there. He's he's building a decent program, and uh, we'll see how good they're going to be next year. Any plans that you know of of what happened if the FCS pulls the pulls the rug out under this season? I ha- I haven't I haven't heard about that. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, it would be interesting because if they do, I don't know it. They have to have some type of date to where they can finalize whether or not they're going to play in the fall. Have you seen anything like that yet? I think I think it's by next week. But they said if I think about forty percent of FCS pro, uh, conference or forty percent of FCS teams have pulled the plug on this fall. And then if it gets to 50, that means the FCS season is canceled for the fall. And I don't know if that means they're done all year. I know they talked about the Ivy League. Right. Um, in the, uh, I think the SWAC playing in the, in the spring with modified conference only. 
Well, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I gotta. I gotta be honest. I was not up on the percentages of teams needing to play in the FCS. In order to <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, <laughs> I've seen something crazy, even crazier than that. Uh, the Sooner Conference, which actually has some some teams in the league. I think Southwest Assemblies of God and some some other smaller schools uh, that are located in Texas, like D three schools. They're talking about having like a, a three game schedule in the fall and then a six game schedule in the spring. So they're playing three in the fall, six in the spring. I wouldn't totally eliminate that possibility for some FCS teams, but as of right now, I, I don't know what the backup plan is. I, that's a great question. I haven't really dove into it. I would love them to uh, be able to schedule someone like North Texas or, or even some of these uh, schools that are a little close in proximity, like even, even uh, uh, Tulsa, uh, maybe even a UTEP, something like that. If some of those other conferences can't fill out their non-conference schedule, it, it's. I, I'll tell you this much: I would not want to be a college athletic director right now. Whoo, man! Talk about figuring it out on the fly. All right, well, that's a whole bunch of stuff we don't have answers to. So let's uh, let's move on here. Uh, we do have Marcel Brooks on campus. We do have five-star linebacker Marcel Brooks on campus from LSU. I'm just going to ask you the only question that uh, is worth asking, and you don't have an answer for it yet, but he's put in a waiver. Do you think he's going to get it and be able to play this season? I think he's going to get it, number one, because he's moving closer to home. Uh, he stated that was the reason why he wanted to be uh, back in back in Texas, and he's literally going to he, – he had a chance to either go to SMU or TCU to be close to home, and – He's literally, from what I understand, his his family might even live in Fort Worth right now. So he's literally back home. If guys like JT Daniels can get a waiver approved going from USC all the way to Georgia, where nothing is like you're you're not talking about a guy wanting to be closer to home. He's just going to Georgia for playing time. If that can get approved, then there's there's little doubt in my mind that Marcells is going to get approved. Uh, J.D. Spillman's got approved. He's going all the way from Nebraska down to TCU. And that was one of the ones that I was mostly concerned for just because he didn't go to school in the spring. And that was the one thing everyone kept telling me. And I, and I didn't want to really put it on the board because I didn't want people freaking out. But that was the concern with J.D. Spillman because he could have took, taken online classes or whatever because he, he left Nebraska in January and was just back home. And I know I posted a lot of times that Minnesota really wasn't looking at him, but Minnesota wanted him really bad. They wanted him, and Nebraska was blocking Minnesota from getting him. Scott Frost did not want him going to another Big Ten opponent. That comes straight from Ryan Burns, who covers our Minnesota site. So that that was uh, – when, when he left Nebraska, everyone thought he was going to be a gopher. So for TCU to, to get him is a pretty big deal. But if J.D. can get a waiver coming all the way from Nebraska, not going to school in the spring, he only had 11 hours to graduate. That's another crazy thing about it is he didn't have to go to school very long to, to not even have to worry about a waiver. But he did. He didn't, he didn't go to school. Uh, but surprisingly, we're going to see him. We're going to see him hopefully in the fall. And uh, he's, got, he's got a few – class items he's got to take care of. But as far as waiver goes, NCAA is concerned, he is cleared to play. If he's cleared to play, I would bet my mortgage Marcel is going to be cleared to play. Completely agree. 
I, I completely agree. They're handing out uh, waivers like candy. So looking forward to seeing Garrett Wallow and Marcel Brooks at linebacker. Watch out for Jamoy Hodge. I mean, it, the, the report I got today was Garrett and Jamoy were actually running first team um, through the first few practices. And Jamoy still kind of learning everything. And, and, and what I was told is that he, he is so athletic that he, he can overcome not knowing the defense completely yet and he's making plays, but that was kind of the same thing I was told about Marcel is that that guy is so athletic that he doesn't know what the heck he's doing right now, but he's so fast and so athletic that he can overcome his mistakes with a snap of a finger, and he just looks so much more athletic than everyone else. Lined up at defensive end, and I think when we see those packages where – you know the ones where they rush three down linemen and all of us were like, why is he giving the quarterback 11 seconds to throw? I think we're going to see Marcel rushing off the edge from, from a linebacker spot, not necessarily the edge, but from a linebacker position and going after the quarterback. So uh, it, the guy can <laughs> he can line up at corner. He can line up at safety. I mean, he, he, he can do a lot of things. He's going to be tremendous for their defense wherever he lines up. Well, and, I, and, and I can confirm that what are, the the post that someone had on the board about him bringing a swagger, I can one hundred percent confirm that's accurate. Well, when you have a national championship ring, um, you have the ability to walk in and, and set the bar of what expectations are to win. So, and that's that. What 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 does competition breed? It breeds better players. I mean, it just it it is it's going to make that whole defense better, no I, matter who you are. I'm not too uh, proud of man to say at 45, I still follow players on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, Marcel Brooks said, uh, Dylan Jordan's just mad because I came here and took his spot. And I did, was he like, say, did he say Dylan Jordan? He say, bruh. Bruh. <laughs> what was funny is that, you know, I saw the video and then uh, who was it? Was it, was it TCU maniac that posted and someone said, that's not what he said. And then someone said, no, he made two videos. He didn't make just one. The, Marcel yeah, two made videos. Two, two videos saying that bruh is mad because I'm coming to take his spot. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, he, I, he's not, he's not afraid of that stuff, man. He, no, he's, he's confident. Not. He's confident. And that's, that's what TCU needs. They, they need a confident player like that. They need a, and, and it's not, Everyone asks, like, you know, TCU, how much better is he going to make their defense? They they still had the top defense in the Big 12 last year. Number one pass defense. Number two run defense. But, man, he's he's just another player. He's like the Isaiah Simmons at Clemson. I mean, he's going to be able to play so many different roles. And, and, man, I just I can't wait to see it. Number zero, are you kidding me? Watch out. You know, I have said this. I Even, even as the Frogs have had great defenses over the last couple of years, there is just something about having an attitude that is a hammer. I think of uh, Davion Pearson. There, that guy was just a walking machine of attitude. He, you know, he might have always been about two seconds away from a from a personal foul, but I, I didn't really care. <laughs> I didn't care. Marcel Brooks is clearly bringing that walking attitude, and I, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a great asset, regardless of scheme. He's bringing a dog to the group. I mean, Paul Dawson was a dog. LaMarcus McDonald, straight up dog. And that's Darryl Washington. Daryl Washington. Yep. Robert Henson. I mean, the, the list goes on. They're, they're, they're straight up just mean players, and I think that's what he's going to be. 
Yes. Marvin White. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's your favorite uh, guy of all time, right? My favorite guy of all Very time. He's be old, but that's 15 years ago if you want to feel old. No, 14 years ago if you want to feel old. The greatest hit I have ever seen in person, in my in t- in person or on TV, in my entire life. You know what Martin. makes me mad about that hit? Is the only video you can find of it today is all grainy looking. It's the outdoor outdoor life network. <laughs> yeah, I want someone to find that video, clean it up, put it in HD, and then put it back out there. Wow, we'll you, can't, you can't see anything great on. I mean, you can see the you can clearly see the helmet fly off and the TT flying through the air uh, on the side of the helmet, but. It, I mean, hmm. take me back, Jeff. Take me back to that night. I will. I will. 12 to 3, the greatest shutdown of Mike Leach ever. All right. We've gone a half hour, and we said that's what we're going to do, so we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening to the Frogcast. As always, we'd love for you to give us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe to us there. This is where more fro- we want to know more. Of- we want to know frog fans that care about TCU football. Subscribe to us so we can get the word out. Also, if you have not yet, you need to go join TCU 24-7 Sports, hornfrogblitz.com. All that's going on in practice, clearly off the field. If you want to know what's happening, Jeremy Clark is the godfather of TCU reporting, and this podcast is where we kind of sort it all out. So until we get together next time, and we're coming up on every week very, very soon, for Daniel Southern, for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast.